joining us today. I know that it's it's a little bit earlier for you over there in the Pacific Northwest of America, but um, <laughs> you've got yeah. a little bit of breakfast and you're able to be with it a little bit here with me today. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm usually an early bird anyway, so I'm usually up by six, so it's good. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, good for you. Good for you. Well, you have been busy since the last time you've been on the show. It's been a while. Um, I think the last time you were on the show is when your crafty class came out. We were talking about that. What have you been up to since then? Yeah. A lot. I have a second crafty class um, since that last time. Um, I've, you know, had a lot of books come out. I have a lot of patterns, teaching, um, I have both kids in college now, which is crazy. So, you know, my life has been kind of crazy. I mean, lack of a better word, really crazy. Wow. Well, it's good. Well, on top of all that, uh, you, you, you're doing different books, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about here today is the Garden of Shawls. Um, and, I mean, jump in with this. Tell me all about it. Tell me about the inspiration behind this beautiful book? Well, um, Garden of Souls kind of came out of, how do I even say this? Um, I, for the last, you know, 19 years as a designer, I've always done um, crochet designs for Annie's and leisure, excuse me, leisure arts and the magazines and things like that. And I've always from the time I started uh, designing, I always wanted to have my own book company. That was kind of where I started 19 mm -hmm. years ago, kind of got sidetracked. And then this book, this book actually came out of my best friend, who is an att my attorney also, who reads my contracts and says, Karen, you can do better than what these contracts do. And so she encouraged me to start looking into what I do. So... Um, my background is in Italian laces, so I thought, oh, you know what, I should do that because I've been wanting to do that, but I haven't been wanting to propose it because I have a specific um, aesthetic that I wanted the book to look like, and I knew that if I gave it to somebody, it wouldn't come out the way I wanted it to look, so this book kind of came from all of that because I love shawls, I love lace, I love the finer yarns. And so this book just kind of materialized over the last year, <laughs> just from all of that coming together. I love that. I love that. I love the finer weight yarns too. It's crazy though. Like um, as I as I learn more and more about the different markets, you know, because as you know, I I came a little bit more from the indie yarn market, and now I'm in more of the mass market. You know what I mean? And um, right. And they don't like. There's not a whole lot of really thinner weight yarns out there, uh, like DK and sport weight. But you know, we're working on that. We'll see what we can do with that. But I am a huge fan of thinner yarns, especially for crochet, um, which is no surprise because a lot of us can, when we think about crochet, either blankets or we think of doilies. That's typically the case. And so it would make sense that yeah. we automatically, you know, think about thin yarn, thin thread yarn to be, make beautiful crochet. Well, if you upsize that just ever so slightly to a, a DK or a sport, you know, it, it's still going to be something stunning and beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, so here we are. You decide, okay, I'm going to do my own book. Um, before we jump in to talk about the book itself, like, 
what were some of the things you learned? That's usually one of the top things I ask people who write their own books because I find it so incredibly amazing, those of you who are able to do your own books like this. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring. I think inspiring is the right word because I know how much work goes into it. It's, it's a huge task. It's, um, I was lucky that I was able to hire a photographer and a, a graphic artist who did the layouts for me. Um, that was huge because even though I'm a techie at heart, I you know, have a, a degree in management information systems, graphics is not my thing. Taking pictures is not my thing. So um, I learned where my weaknesses are even before this book and found ways to plug those holes. So that was the biggest thing I think I learned. But um, I think overall the entire project, it took me a full year from concept to release. And patience was one of the things. So I learned patience because I wanted to share this from the beginning and I knew I couldn't. Uh-huh. So, um, so patience was a big thing, and um, I think just you know marketing myself because I'm used to having a company behind me that markets the books, right? And so learning all this new, you know, how to you know write to yarn shops and catalogs and all that stuff was really kind of crazy, really crazy to um, to figure that all out. Yeah. It's it's a it's a whole different world, isn't it? Like you 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 think about I mean that's I think that's what I've learned the most from people who have self published is they begin to learn about all the different things that the publishing company did do that they probably that they knew they did but they just overlooked the complexity of it. Um, and so you exactly begin to have a little bit. I, I don't want to say more respect to that implies that you didn't have respect for them at all. Like, I think you always have respect for them. But you begin to be like, oh, okay, this makes sense, why, X, Y, Z. Um, and it's just it's exactly. so much harder to get um, get things done. But that's not to say it's impossible, because I have been seeing buzz about your book for a little while now. <laughs> Sounds like you're messing around with something with the phone. Are you Okay. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say you, you started to disappear. <laughs> How weird. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, so far I have, I've seen a lot of buzz about your book. And so it seems like you're doing a good job with the marketing side of it. I, I, I hope so. It seems like sales are going really well. I'm actually ahead of schedule. So <laughs> that's exciting. Exciting that it's being well received. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So here we go. You jumped in, and how did you? How do you start the process for writing your own book? Is it very similar to writing a book with a main a mainstream publisher? Do you, you know, sketch out your own ideas and, and say, okay, I want to try out these yarns with this. I want to go with this color theme. Like, how did you go about that? Well, I um I actually started with the very first shawl in the book, Incipient. I actually had that yarn in my stash. Um, I had gotten it at TNNA like four, three years ago, four years ago, something like that. And I was playing with it. And then because of the colors were so bright and, and cheery, I, I just, it just came to me that I needed to do a garden themed 
book, I mean, and shawls, because I love shawls and I love lace shawls. And so that's kind of where this book, the concept of this book came from, because I was just playing with yarn. <laughs> and um, once the, the ideas started flowing um, with that, you know, having a theme, the garden theme and the colors, I knew exactly which yarn companies I wanted to go to because I wanted um, tonals and I wanted some gradients. And um, I worked with most of these companies in the past. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at you on the screen, too. So, (laughs) yes, your yarn. Um, So I knew exactly which yarn companies to start with because I had had a relationship with most of them um, up front. So I had the ideas for the shawls, and then I went to those yarn companies and said, hey, (laughs) this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this book, and... um, I had, I mean, they were all excited because a lot of them don't have a lot of crocheted, you know, models in their yarn. So they were so excited to be in a, in a crochet book. So that's kind of how this doll started rolling. Yeah. I, I love, I, I love it. I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like I'm, I'm looking at the book right now. Um, those of you who are asking, uh, so, hey, Marley, show me the book. I actually have a digital copy, so I'm looking at it on my computer, and I'm scrolling through. And the images are beautiful, and I, the instructions, you have written instructions, schematics, and charts. Oh, my gosh, how do I love charts? Let me count the ways. <laughs> Just love them so much. I think they make life so much easier. Yes, yes. Was that, was that I'm, I'm a huge Go ahead. Go ahead, Squint. No. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, with charts are so important to me because when I learned to crochet, my grandmother, who taught me to crochet, did not, could not read a pattern. So we used to take pictures of whatever it was I wanted to make and use a magnifying glass to look at the picture. So for me, charts are just a natural extension. Yeah. Learning to crochet. It's, and so you have a picture of what it is you're making. And if you don't know how to read charts, I recommend that you start because it makes pattern reading so much easier. Yeah. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about the different yarns that you did choose because one of the things that I have found as I'm working with different yarns, as you, as I was pointing out, I use a lot of different yarns, but yeah. I really struggle with using any yarns. Um, this is going to sound funny, but I struggle with the hand-painted yarns in, in like, the variegated stuff, because I feel like they're very difficult to photograph. And actually, um, who, who was Trisha Malcolm? I, I recently had Trisha Malcolm on the podcast, and we were talking about it, you know, how as, as much as they are beautiful on the scene, and I love them, I find them more difficult to do because I find it really hard to photograph. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. In, in most, I would say most variegated yarns are that way. Um, I only use, I think, one variegated, and um, it's a prism yarn. And I picked that yarn because it's a, a lighter pastel color. Mm-hmm. And I think... My photographer did a beautiful job with oh, no, photography. She got, that's the thing. I mean, I think you have to pick the right variegated. And in this case, because of the theme I was using and the, the way I wanted the pictures to be, 
I think it worked. But I've had I've had designs that I've done for magazines that they pick the variegated, and I'm thinking, oh my! And the picture comes out, and it's it's okay, <laughs> but it's yeah. not it's not the best. Right, right, right. You know? I see you. No, I think that was not. Please don't think I was I was dissing on your choice. Oh no, no, no. Okay, good. I was like, maybe I said that wrong. No, 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 no. I I totally agree with you, and that and I was really questioning whether I wanted to use that yarn or not. But no, and I agree that you have to be careful. Right. As you were going through and selecting the different lace patterns for crochet, um, you know, I find I find that when I when I talk about lace and crochet versus lace and knitting, it's almost like I don't know if you feel this way. Like when, I feel like lace and knitting is its own sort of distinct sort of thing. But lace for crochet, part of me really feels like all crochet is lacy. Of course, you have the real solid bits of. Um, Tunisian, but to me that's Tunisian, or you have the double crochet and single crochets and stuff, but even those are, you know, so little airy and stuff. So having said that, how do you distinguish what is a lace stitch versus a regular stitch or what have you? I'm just curious. Well, um, I kind of, I think I agree with you. The, like, double crochet, if you look at some of these shawls in here even, the, the double crochet fields are lacy because yes. there's so much, there's holes in between the stitches. I mean, you can't get away from it. So, like, my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother used to say that crochet had its things that it does good and knitting has its things. I mean, I'm literally translating her from Italian, uh, which the, what knitting does good. And crochet is lace. I mean, that's the Italian look of it, uh -huh. uh, the way the Italians look at, at crochet is it's lace. It's got holes in it. Um, it's not going to be even. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, crochet is always lace. I always thought <laughs> these, my grandmother had me do so much lace as a child that once I started designing, I didn't think I was doing lace. But now I go back and look at some of the stuff that I designed in my early years, and I'm thinking, oh, you see her influence throughout the whole thing. So I agree with you. I, I think knitted lace, and I do knitted lace too, it's its own thing compared to stockinette or, or garter stitch or, you know, or tables or whatever. And, but, uh, but crochet is definitely, I think, you know, picking lace stitches, I mean, there's certain things that you would call lace, like open work, fans that have open chains in between them, things like that, or V-stitches even. I consider that lace. But overall, it's all open work. There's all yeah. open, unless you're doing solid single crochet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much. Or Tunisian, yeah. Tunisian, yeah. Um, so do you have... I'm I'm curious as a fellow designer, do you have a favorite book that you go to to look at different stitches, or do you make up your own stitches? Like Kristen Aldall likes to make up a lot of her own stitches. Um, you know what? How, what's your design process? Um, I have made up my own stitches, and I do that a lot. I use a lot of what my grandmother taught me. You know, as putting stitches together, things that we did. You know, looking at patterns when I was younger. But she also gave me a book back in 1974 by Columbia Minerva called Crochet. And it's all, it's a stitch dictionary, but it's the 1970s dictionary. And a lot of times I'll just page through that for inspiration, not so much to use the stitches, but to 
I don't know. It's something about what she taught me and what I learned back then that can inspire taking something and making it more modern. I don't know why. I can't really, I can't really express what it does, but it's, it's an awesome book. And it's, I mean, it's got everything from, you know, basic stitches and basic, you know, um, chevrons and stuff to motifs and Tunisian and, and a fillet crochet in it and edgings. And it's just something that you just, I just look through it. I almost look through it every week just because it's so inspiring to me. That's so um, that's kind of my, my, my book. <laughs> it's an old book. I don't know if you can even find it anymore. I have, I had the spiral bind mine because it was all falling apart. Right. I use it so much. Oh my God. Yeah. I do that. For the books that I use the most, I do that. And then if I really like it and I know either it's going out of print or there's a new edition, I buy the new edition. So like, for example, I have the sweater yeah. design in plain English by Maggie Reggetti and it's over there. Yes. And it's spiral bound, but I saw that there was a new edition. So what is this? I don't even, the second edition. And I just bought it and I was like, okay, now I have it. I won't lose it. Because I'm, I'm always going back to this book. And, you know, I do that with a lot of my different books. I have a couple of Japanese dictionaries. I've done the same thing. Yes. But I think that's – so those of you who don't know what we're talking about – actually, here, let me see if I can grab it while we're on the air so I can show you guys. All right. So if you go to, um, like, a FedEx Kinko's – remember when it was called Kinko's? Um, you can have them take your book and cut off the binding. And they will put a spiral binding or a spiral binding all around the book. And yes. then sometimes I will leave them, have them do laminate the covers to make them nice. So, like, I did that. Um, I have a couple of books that I did that to. So I have Deborah Newton. Do you know Deborah Newton, Karen? She's amazing. Yes. Um, right? Yes, so I have I, her books, too. Right, yeah. So I have the designing knitwear, and you can see if you're looking at Facebook, guys, you can see where it's reflective because I laminated the cover to make it a hard cover, but I got spiral binding on the back, so that way it's easy to flip through. Isn't that absolutely? Fun? And that's, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about doing that with all of my stitch dictionaries. Yeah, to make it easier. It's the smartest thing. The biggest thing is one thing um, to note is look through the book and make sure there's enough room to cut it off that you're not going to cut off any information. Exactly. Um, and so I know yeah. we're kind of getting off, off topic, but um, one of the things that I did, I have another book. It's one of those really big, it's over there. I can't get it. It's a big Japanese one. And if I had cut the binding off, it was going to cut off some of the stuff. So I had them, or no, if I cut the binding off, it was okay. But if they, when they put the holes in it to do the spiral, it would cut it off. Right. So I had them cut the binding and then put the spiral at the top. So now it flips up, like, over the top. Do you know what I mean? Because it didn't interfere with yes. anything. So I was like, oh, I am brilliant. <laughs> That's a good idea because I have a couple books like that that I was thinking, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Now That's you awesome. know. <laughs> now you know. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. yeah, whenever you have a book like that, like, it's, it's brilliant to do that. That's like my, I don't know. Anyways, so that's what we're talking about. So, yeah, I'm 100% with you that that's, that's, like, one of the best ways to keep track or take care of those old books like that because you just you don't want it yeah. to continue to fall apart. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So this particular book, um, I just told everybody that I'm looking at it in the digital copy. Is it available as hard copy also or just digital? No, it's 
available in hard copy also. You get um, you can get the hard copy if you want a signed copy. You can get them from me. But Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, I know for sure they all they carry it. Um, I I'm not sure about the magazine or not the magazines the catalogs <laughs> yet. But and it's also available in Kindle, iBook, Kobo. I got it. In a, Nook I think has got it now. Um, and Annie's Attic actually is carrying it in their catalog as a PDF version as well. Girlfriend, that's so, huge. That is such a big deal for self-publishing to get in all those areas. It, yeah, it was interesting <laughs> trying to figure it all out. That's another thing I did learn, if I, I should say, is is all the publishing channels. It's There's a lot. Yeah. A lot that I didn't think about. I mean, I knew, thought about Kindle and the Nook and all that, but I didn't think about iBooks and, you know, all that stuff. So Right. Well, and then yeah. plus, I know that, um, like, Shannon Oakey, she does stuff with the library system, so that way the libraries get the books. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many different different avenues to go go about doing that. So that's a really good job yeah. that you did that. I love it. Yeah, well, I worked with, I worked with Ingram, who's one of the biggest um, distributors out there, and they actually have the catalogs for, like, the library. So I'm hoping that the libraries will pick it up and, and really? stuff like that, too. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So yeah. one of the things I like to ask those of you who self-publish is the name of your publishing company. Um, tell me how to, how do I say it and where does the name come from? Okay. The name of the company is Aki Blue Press. And okay. Aki Blue, literally translated from Italian, is Blue Eyes. And oh. it comes from my grandfather. My grandfather, when I was a little girl, used to sing me this little, because I had really, really, really blue eyes when I was young. I, they turned green as I got older, but they were blue. And he used to sing me this little song um, called Aki Blue. And um, every year on my birthday, especially because it, it, it talks, you add your age to the song every year. And um, when I was thinking about self-publishing, and I thought, you know, I really don't want to use my own name for the, the name of the publishing company because it just seems weird to me. So, you know, I'm sitting there thinking of all these different things, and uh, Aki Blue just kept popping into my head. So, you know, my grandmother taught me to crochet. My grandfather gave me the name of my, of my publishing company. So That's awesome. I think that's, that's, that's so incredibly sweet, and just it's just beautiful. I love it. Um, so I'm going to ask you about a couple of the patterns, if that's okay. And I know that usually if I ask people what's your favorite one, it's hard. It's like your your children. You don't have a favorite child. So, like, exactly. I totally have, yeah, but, you know, no, I've, I've got to finish my statement because it sounds like I was about to say I totally have a favorite child. That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say <laughs> I totally have a favorite piece out of my book. I don't have a favorite child, as contrary to my kids' belief. Um, <laughs> And that could come back to really yeah. fight, but <laughs> um, but so the first question I will ask you is, do you have a favorite, or maybe what was your favorite one to work on or design, or what was your favorite yarn to work with? What was you know unexpected? What about that? Okay, um, I think my favorite one to design, I'll be honest, was Violacious, the purple one. Okay, um, it's also the one that I consider 
the hard, the hardest of all of them. I don't think any of them are horribly hard, but this one truly does not have a repeat in it. So the entire shawl is charted. I don't know if you oh. noticed that. I did notice. I and was actually scrolling through, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of pages for this one." Yeah, there's a lot of there's six pages of charts because. Um, as I was designing it, it wasn't that hard. But when I went to have it tech edited, K, uh, KJ Hay did all my tech editing and charts for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, she's like, Karen, you're really making me work for this <laughs> because there was no repeats. Um, so I think that, but it was my favorite to do. I don't know if it was the color. It's so light. It's made with lace weight yarn. And it's, I mean, it weighs nothing. It weighs absolutely nothing. So it's, I think it's a perfect shawl, in my opinion. Wow. Um, but, but my favorite yarn, um, I love all the yarn. Don't get me wrong. All of yeah. these, I mean, I can't recommend the, any of these companies more than anything. But I think my favorite yarn to work with for this particular book was um, – the Black Trillium Lilt Gradient for Solar, the yellow. And it seems to be everybody's favorite on Ravelry. Um, that's just the favorite shawl, it seems like right now. Um, I've worked with Black Trillium and Melanie for years. She's um, uh, custom-dyed yarn for me when I did a sock club years ago. Um, but her Lilt Gradient is to die for and all of her colors are to die for so this was kind of a fun one just because the yarn was so much something that I love to work with pretty cool I love it I think it's great yeah. to be able to show how the gradients come out like that um gradients is a, it's a big deal right now and I mean on the the mass market it's a big deal you know having the wonderful gradients and I love that whether they come in a cake form like that, where they literally grade into one from, from one to another, not just cut and start. Yes. I think that I think that is ridiculous. When it just cuts one color and you start a whole new color just right after that, I'm like, if I wanted that, I would just go ahead and buy all the different colors and create my own stripes. Like I don't want that kind of combination. But when it right, so I'm just being being so hey, right. it just annoys me. So yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, there's, there's, I'm not going to say the name, but there's a cake yarn on the market right now, the mass market that does that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the, the fanfare because I, the last thing I want is for like my red to end mid row and have my, my yellow start immediately, you know, but if they gradually flow yeah. from one to the next, that's, that's visually appealing and that's gorgeous. And they are, they're just really fantastic how that works. And so I love that. You've done this, shawl, and it really shows how the gradients are supposed to work with one to the other, yeah. from the light yellow to the darker yellow to the orangey color. Yes. It's very sunny. Very beautiful. Thank you. And I'll get, let you get on a little secret on that one. Um, uh, Melanie dyes those as separate skeins. Okay. And when, when, I, when I worked on it, what I do is when I wind them, I rush and join them. So I have one skein, and I just let them go yep. wherever they want to go. And her colors, she dyes her yarn so well that you can't even tell where one color really starts and one ends. It's, it's even when you rush and join them together, 
it's her. I, I can't recommend her gradient enough. I mean, I love all it. of her colors, not just the yellow. All of her colors are that way. That's so funny. So, I did a video showing that, showing how to take colors and rush and join them to create one big one. But that's, it's just what you said, though, how important it is that those colors are so close to one another that it, it just flows and it looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good it's, job. It's, it's, yeah, it's, what, it's one of my favorites just because of that alone. I love it. I love it. What I really like about the patterns that you've done in here is um, none of them look like they're so incredibly difficult in the sense that you have to be a master crocheter to complete this. Um, whether it's the body of the shawl itself or the, the edging that works on, it feels like everything in here is completely doable by anybody. Like there, there are so many different skill levels. Maybe that's the right word. And I really hate using that term because I really feel like some of us get pigeonholed in, no, I'm not a very good crocheter. I'm a beginner. I can't do that pattern. Because it's like, no, really, you can. You just, you know, one step at a time. That's all it takes is one step at a time. You have the written words. You have the cards available. You have beautiful images to kind of go back to to make sure you're doing the right thing. Um, I think you've done a really great job with that. That, that's important to me because I want – I've always been known for my patterns that are clear and anybody can do them. And so even though these are all lace weight and fingering weight, and I know not everybody likes those weights. A lot of people like the DKs and the, the worsted and the chunkies. For me, this is what I like. So if I'm going to make something out of this and I want to, to appeal to everybody, it's got to be something that looks Harder. It looks like you slaved over it, but it really, I mean, you, it takes you maybe a week to make the shawl because mm -hmm. this pattern is so simple. And um, that's something that's just really important to me. I want the yarn, I want the stitches to do the work. I don't want you to be pulling your hair out, trying to figure out how the stitches work. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's... Okay. It's gorgeous. I think they're. I think they are all really pretty. Um, with the edging, I don't know about you. Sometimes I find that to be my hardest decision on what I want the the final bit of my piece to be, whether it's a shawl or a sweater. Like it's that finishing touch that really just it just it just puts that final like greatness to a piece. Do you find that's the case, or is it just me? Am I just crazy? No, no, that's me too, because in fact, a lot of these shawls were designed from the edging out <laughs> because I loved a certain edging, and that I wanted that to be the focal point or the finishing touch, and developing the rest of the shawl came out of that, that finishing touch. Does that make sense? Like Palisade, the one that you just posted, uh, Tammy just posted. Yeah, it's that, that's exactly, the, the edging was the first on that one. It's, and I knew that I wanted it to be the focal. And that's that's called isn't that called Bruges lace? Bruges lace, Bruges lace. Bruges. It's different than Bruges lace. It's because okay. um, Bruges lace you kind of connect them as you go. The this is done a little bit differently. I, I it's not really. Um, I don't even know how to describe this one. Because if you look at, the, I mean, I don't know if you're looking at the chart for that one, but it's. I am. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not Bridges, Bridges Lace. It's it's something else. It's 
different. <laughs> I don't know how to describe beautiful. it. It's it's I know I'm rose and yeah, it's beautiful though. It's it really is so pretty. It's so pretty. I, I love it. So here's another question for you, because this is one thing that somebody had mentioned in the Facebook page is, um, you know, one of the things about making shawls is, yes, they're great. They're easy. You don't really have to worry too much about the gauge of them, which is brilliant. And that's actually one of the reasons I like to use shawls and such when I do knit alongs or crochet alongs, because I feel like there's a lot of learning opportunities without a lot of risk of getting like the wrong gauge. But yeah. one of the questions a lot of people will give me is, you know, am I going to look old because I'm wearing a shawl or how do I wear a shawl? And like my initial response is, you know, first off, you're not, you're not going to look old. And there are so many different ways to wear a shawl. So I'm going to ask you, what are your suggestions or what are your feelings when people ask you that? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't think you're going to look old at all. I think shawls are coming back right now. Um, there but there's so many the ways to wear them. You yeah, you can wear them. I wear a lot, the most, like scarves a lot of times. Um, I'll put the point in front so it look almost looks like a cowl. I will, you know, um, I'll wear traditionally, you know, I, gosh, I tie them up, you know, like they they do with scarves, you know, and make all the fancy little knots or whatever. <laughs> if I have a long enough, you know, I mean, it, it's just because it's called a shawl. Shawl can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's it's crazy. It, it, yeah, I don't I don't think you have to worry about being old <laughs> with a shawl. I think shawls are so versatile. I love it. I love it. I love all your yeah. shawls in this book. I think it's brilliant, and I think you've done a beautiful job. And your grandmother would be just thrilled about it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I hope so. It's very cool. It's very cool. Well, it's the time in the show that we give away prizes, and I'm I'm assuming you have some prizes to give away. Do you want to tell them what they are? Either calling in to receive or leaving a comment. To well, whether you're calling in or you're leaving the comment for, either way, you're going to win a copy of my print book signed by me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you sit back, I'm take a drink, and rest your rest your rest your uh, throat a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, if you are listening live, you guys, the guest call-in number is three four seven five three nine five five eight nine three four seven five three nine five five eight nine. I will put that there in Facebook Live so those of you can see. Um, pick up your phone, give me a call. You will be placed on a switchboard. The switchboard is just on my screen, and it just shows me a list of all the numbers that are calling in. You will randomly select one winner from that switchboard um, after we talk to Tammy here in just a minute. So that's the first way you can win. That's if you are listening live. Call in now. Don't be shy. We don't buy. It's fun. Uh, give us a ring. And then the second way you have a chance of winning is after the show today, Tammy will put the show notes up over at MarleyBird.com. You'll go to MarleyBird.com and click on the drop-down menu for podcast and select show notes, or you can click on the drop-down menu for blog and select show notes. I put it in two different places that we guys can, you know, hopefully have no trouble finding where the show notes are. 
You'll look for the show notes for today's show, and Tammy does a great job of doing a brief synopsis of what we talked about, including links and images and, and information for where you can purchase the book, um, all of that good stuff. So if you've missed anything in the, the show today, that's where you're going to find it. At the bottom of that blog post, you will see where it says leave a reply, where you would leave a comment. And you will literally leave a comment or leave a reply that includes the keyword that Karen will give us here in just a couple minutes. Once you've done that, that's all you have to do. That's your entry ticket for a chance to win a copy of the book. We will choose a winner from those comments on those show notes in about two to three weeks, okay? We give you that amount of time to go back and listen to the show and have a chance to go leave a comment. That's why we have a good good time span between today's show and when we pick the winner. And so on a future show, we will – Bring whoever that guest is on. We'll bring Tammy on. She'll select a winner from today's show, give away the prize, and so on and so forth. It's like a really well-oiled machine. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to bring Tammy on the line, and Tammy is going to talk to Karen about getting her keyword and selecting a winner from a previous podcast. So, Tammy, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Hello. I'm going to Hi, Tammy. Okay. Hi, Karen. So, you're in my area code, I think. Are you in the Seattle area? I am. I'm just north of Seattle. Wow. See, I just moved to Kent a few months ago. How's the weather? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did want to ask you is, um, do people, the, do the winners have a choice between the ebook and the paper, the hard copy? We can do that. We can do that. So if you're if you're if you're calling in to win, maybe give that some thought. How do you use how do you use your patterns easier? Um, would it would it be easier on your tablet, or would it be um, nicer to have the book? Um, I'm sure Karen will sign your tablet for you if you need her to. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I'm going back to um, when Fiona Ellis was on our program a, uh, a few weeks ago, and. Um, she she had had everybody use the code word Art Deco, um, and I with the random generator I've already pulled a winner and um, she didn't give her name, but um, Blinking Cat was the uh, code was the screen name that she used. She said I love Art Deco. I bet it would work well into a Reuna pattern. Um, I, I that's a, that's a thought I hadn't considered. Um, I'm not a I'm not a Reuna. Ruana pattern person, but um, you know, large shawls. I love that. So, um, did you have a code um, that people should use or a phrase that people should use in their um, comments? Yeah, Italian lace. Italian lace. Gotta love the grandma. Gotta love the grandma. I gotta give her credit. <laughs> there we That's go. That's great. That is so good. Uh, Italian lace, everybody. So make sure when you go to the Marley Bird um, website, you guys, so marleybird.com, click on the show notes for Karen Hooley, and when you leave your comments, make sure you use Italian lace somewhere in the comment, and that is your entry ticket to win. Thank you, Tammy, so much for everything you do. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. All right. There we go. Okay, so Miss Karen, you have 38 callers. Um, so there's a lot of people here who really want to hold your book. A lot of players, um, maybe some knitters who are like, oh my gosh, I want to see this crochet book. Who knows? 
So I am scrolling up and down on the switchboard. You tell me when to stop. That'll be in the lucky minute. Okay. Go ahead and stop. All right. That's area code eight three two. This person just called in. It's the last, the last number on the switchboard. Eight three two. Hello. Hello. Hi. Who's this? Um, it's Tamara Goodahan. I I don't know what you're saying. One more time. Tamara Goodahan. Tamara, where are you calling us from, Tamara? I I am British, but I live in Houston, Texas. Fantastic. I was going to say, you have a wonderful accent. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. How are you? I know you. I know we know each other. <laughs> okay, so Karen, how do you know Tamara? How do I know her? Thanks for inviting me. 
Absolutely. You have a great day over there in, in the northern Seattle area because I just love that area so much. I know you'll have so much fun over there today. Yep. <laughs> All right. I will talk to you. Well, again. you have a good one, too. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Can I tell you how much I love Karen Hooley? She has um, been a supporter of me ever since I came on the scene. She is just a wonderful individual, um, so encouraging and such a great voice for crochet and just designers in general, always um, – you know, really being a wonderful voice. I think that's the best way to say it. It's such a great voice for the design community. And I just, I wish her the greatest of success. I love the fact that she's doing her own books now. I mean, did you guys know she's done, I think she's done like 20 books before. Um, it's amazing. She's, she's a really good designer, a really good designer. So you will not be disappointed. You can check out all of the information you need about Karen at KarenHooley.com. And that's K-A-R-E-N-W-H-O-O. L-E-Y.com, KarenHooley.com. Um, just fantastic. You can learn a bunch of stuff about her. And she does have a crafty class, you guys. I actually think she has a couple of them. Um, so you can check those out as well. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and you will come back here for more shows every Tuesday and Thursday as long as I'm in town. And uh, you will be entertained both by me and the wonderful guests from the Knitting and Crochet community. Um, let's see here. I'm going to hit our exit music. I love this music. I say that all the time, but I really do. I love it. I really hope you guys have a wonderful day today. And let's say thank you to our sponsors one last time. Buffalo Wool Company, Creative Bug, Erin Lane Bags, Crafty.com, Stitches.Events, where I will be at Stitches United next week. So it's not too late to sign up. I do have a space in a couple of my classes. And then Red Heart Yarns, where I'm the proud national spokesperson. Make sure you check out the new Red Heart newsletter today because there's going to be some information about um, a new yarn. You want to check that out. All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.